Well, hello, dear listener, and welcome to a very special episode of the Daydream Cast. I am joined here by a gaggle of friends, which Webster defines as two or more. We have a returning, I think, fourth time appearance guest, Brendan from The Crawl. It's fourth or fifth. Yeah, I'm getting up there. Something like that. Second time returning from the backlog banter, we have Tucker. Ooh, the. We added a the. That's crazy. Usually you remove a the, but now we're the backlog banter. We're one of many, but we're really, we're really the definitive backlog banter as far as I know. And first time appearing from backlog banter, we have Abram. Thank you very much for having me. It's a big honor. Happy to be here. And what we four perfect strangers have in common is that we all went to PAX West 2023 a week ago. And we're just gonna, you know, there are video games there, and we are video game-related people, and we networked, and we demoed, and we, we conventioned. Yeah. Uh, Tucker, this was your first PAX West. This was my first anything. My first my first oh. video game-related anything. And so it was, other than playing games, I've done that before. <laughs> uh, it'd be really awkward if I just showed up. A little, a little more overwhelming. Um, But it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, I am someone that gets overwhelmed pretty easily in like large crowds and like loud noises and stuff but this was okay for me i think it was probably because i had something to focus on i mean i had people that i knew i had goals in mind i wanted to play certain games and take in as much of the experience as i could um but being able to talk to devs about their games the first time as well share some stories be able to see some games that i had already seen trailers for and like play them far before they came out it was all like a it was it was interesting because i was living through stories that i've heard other people tell listening to other people in the industry you always hear like oh when i met this person at this e3 and i played this game early and i got this as like a reward for for playing the demo and now i did that and now i can tell those stories it's like i've 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 taken a step in my life (laughs) your your video game journaling life yeah absolutely well, Brendan, you're a consummate professional. You've freelanced and written. Is this, what packs is this for you? Uh, I mean, technically, <clears throat> it's my third. But oh, really, um, yeah. So I I didn't go at all during. Well, I didn't. I haven't gone since 2017, 2018. I can't remember one of those two years. And then, of course, didn't happen during COVID. Um, and then when it did happen, I didn't go back until this year. So, yeah, I've been a couple times before. It was really nice to be back. Um, I really like going to conventions and PAX in particular is really fun because it's it's the biggest one I normally go to. Um, and uh, it was good to catch up with people and meet a lot of people. Met all three of you in person for the first time. So that was a lot of mm-hmm. fun. Uh, we hung out quite a bit, especially that first day. <clears throat> and yeah, it was a good time. Okay. And well, Abram, what about you? Because you flew all the way out from the eastern lands where you live yes this is my first time out in seattle i didn't like seattle i'm gonna hopefully avoid seattle as much as i can uh moving forward but pax west itself was a lot of fun pretty easy it's hardest for you to stumble into it's it's (laughs) being from maine it's it's not it's somewhere i just accidentally wind up um but this is my first time at west not my first time at pax though i've been to pax east twice now um and it was it was pretty cool coming to West because West felt like a much bigger deal than East. I mean, it's a much bigger show. It felt like the names that were drawn in were much bigger also. Um, but ultimately, I just had a great time hanging out with people. Uh, as, we'll, as we'll get into, I don't really like demoing games on the show floor. Uh, 
and my business dealings at PAX don't really involve me doing that in the first place. Um, so my experience ends up being a, a little bit different, but ultimately the fun of it for me is just seeing people and hanging out, liaising, networking, uh, drinking, eating. Shaking babies. Shaking babies. Not too many. There were not too many babies to shake this year, unfortunately, if I had to give a major you, con. You sought them out, but... <laughs> I looked, but I couldn't find, no. Took the dark uh, so, corners. So I'm actually the PAX veteran of the four of us, because this is my fifth one. It was different this year because Seattle has their new shiny Summit Convention Center, and they decided to split the show floor, where all the demos are, like the main core PAX experience, between the new Expo Center and the old one, which made no sense, and I think no one was happy about it beyond the crowds were lessened because they were split between two buildings. Yeah, that was probably the biggest benefit about that. Also, I mean, I kind of liked the new building. It was... It wasn't the best, but it, I kind of liked the vibe in there. Um, yeah, a lot of, of escalators. Yeah, a lot of escalators. A lot of good yeah. natural light, um, more so than I feel like a lot of the spots in in the main buildings from before. Um, but yeah, just the, going back and forth was really confusing. That first day, I would like forget which, like how many blocks away it there was. there was another building. Well, first of all, you forgot what Summit was because we tried to meet up with <laughs> right. you and then it took like yes. an hour and a half because you ended up at the wrong building and you went up to the top floor. I you're went like, to the top floor. Are these guys? Because I just, in my head, I'm like, Summit, top floor. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, you, we, you really read into my own word choices in, in entirely unnecessary. Oh, no, I, oh, I don't this think. This guy's really smart. He used the word Summit just like, I, <laughs> in the whole piece of conversation. <laughs> I think it was more of a subconscious thing than like, a, oh, he said the Summit. It was just like my brain was like, Summit, top. And so I went to the Summit building, but then I just went to the top of the Summit building. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Plus the photos that you guys were taking, uh, the one that Abrams showed me was like a lot of light on the top. So like, and that's where all the windows were. And I was like, that's got to be up there. In uh, fairness, I also, the, the clue I gave you is a picture of my shoes because I thought you knew where you were going. So it really was not helpful. I thought you guys were just fucking with me. <laughs> oh, we were, we were oh, fucking we with you, but I thought it's because you already knew where you were going. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. We thought you were in on the joke, and it turns out you definitely weren't. I was not. But that was also just the start of our sort of social PAX experience. Of course, Avery and I, and I guess Murph, probably you too, and we'll probably hear your stories, but we got there uh, early because we had media badges. Avery, you were running all over the place, because anytime <laughs> I, we did, I did run into you, you were like, I gotta go somewhere because I have four different media appointments within five minutes of each other. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what I was doing at PAX was largely business development for Lost in Cult, which really just involves me shaking the babies in the pro most proverbial sense. Uh, kissing the hands, shaking the babies, uh, meeting people, really, to to be the... I, my, my business card says senior business development manager, so I should probably speak as though I am one. Really, my PAX <laughs> experience is just is just chatting with devs which involves me running all over the place. And that's what made the two buildings so annoying. It's not that I had to go between two buildings. I don't really care about that. It's, it, was the, it was the amount of people outside to where there was literal stop, stop and go traffic of just humans just trying to get between the buildings. Yeah. And that was driving me crazy. Then I get to the metal detector and it's a, it's a coin flip. It's a coin flip if my switch is going to set up the metal detector. Because half the time I'm fine, half the time I have to go pull out of the bag, and it's a whole it's a whole to do. But I want to give a shout out because you're right, Murph. I was running all over the place. I want to give a shout out to the pizza 
in the Summit Building. Twelve dollars, wow. not cheap, not cheap, but twelve dollars for a personal pie. It was pretty good. And and every day when I was thinking, man, I just want to die, I would eat that pizza and I'd have the energy for that afternoon shift. So I want to shout out the pizza while we're shooting and sharing here. Every year I tell myself I'm not going to eat the food in the convention floor because I know it's overpriced and I could walk outside to like a food cart or something. And every year I get that pizza and I'm like, this was a good choice. This is a good investment. It's a good pizza. (laughs) Of course, there were a lot of food in the show floor this year because this was the most buffet laden packs I've ever been to. We had trolley sour worms Cheez-Its had an arcade with fake Cheez-It boxes. Very disappointing. There was instant mashed potatoes in the Summit Building, which caused that whole corner to reek. I have to correct you. It was not instant mashed potatoes. They were Idaho uh, shredded potatoes, yet to be added to the market. So if you went there and had their shredded potatoes, their their instant shredded potatoes, you were basically test-tasting a new product that the the unwashed masses. You got a vertical slice of that upcoming potato release. Exactly. What are those shredded potatoes going for? What's the resale value on that potato thing, Tucker? Could I have smuggled them out in like a trench coat and released them to like a competitor? Maybe. Yeah. Get the secret Idaho shredded potato formula. I, my, my guess is they dry the potato and cut it up. That is actually part of PAX that I find so interesting because you have the community element, which is great. You have the business element, which is great, the demo floor and everything. But then there's this bizarre corporate pillar to PAX. The DoorDash kiosks. The yeah. cheese it <laughs> yeah. situation. I mean, I I get it. I mean, this is not a cheap event to put on. You need the money wherever you can find it. The cheese money. Oh, you need the che- you need you need that craft cr- money, I guess. I just Nabisco, find Nabisco maybe. Nabisco I think sounds more right. It's just a bizarre element of packs i get it it's ga- you, you gotta f- we're gamers you gotta fuel up you gotta you gotta drink your monster there was fridges of monster all over the place drink your monster sure. eat your cheese it's but i don't know it feels like a strange use of floor, floor space i can say my first packs was in like 2017 and it was way more like a a mini e3 experience with a lot more bigger boosts nintendo sony microsoft and every booth was like the like the Baldur's Gate booth this year, where everything mm-hmm. is like all set up like a theme park attraction, big statues for you to take pictures of. And then the post-COVID years, they can't get back those big uh, developers. So it's much more indie-based. And to supplement that, they have to bring in these not-gaming developers. Sure. I, did you guys sit in a love sack? <laughs> no. Excuse me? No, no, but I walked past a lot of people sitting in them. What does that mean? The bean bags by the uh, the Pax Arena. There was a there was just like a camper trailer set up that said Love Sack, and they were Starfield themed bean bags with memory foam in them. Hmm. And you could sit and flop for a bit and book appointments oh, to go. Oh, I did see those. I didn't read the word Love Sack, but I saw. That's I pointed the brand. Out, like, oh, Starfield reference. Yeah, that, it's a Starfield Love Sack. Seems like a germ disaster. A public love sack? Yes. I mean, I know a few people who got COVID at this year's uh, show. Sounds like the show was just a germ disaster in some cases. But it seems like we were all okay. I mean, I'm totally yeah, we fine. fine. I haven't felt anything. I, yeah. I masked up. I had my personal hand sanitizer. Yeah. I think a lot of it... I didn't do either. <laughs> as, as with last year, I mean, I don't want to speculate. I'm not calling anybody out. I think it had a lot to do with the parties. Uh, more sure. so than oh, the sure. show itself. Oh, sure, sure. 
Let me yeah. hear the PAX, PAX advice from Grandpa Murph here. If you see a PAX party that's at the Spin Ping Pong Bar, don't go there. That okay. place is a hole. It, you have to wait in line two hours to get in. It's $35 entrance fee. Uh, and did then you do this? You, two years I did it. One for the DMC uh, 5 debut where the developer came up and slapped my ass. Because uh, he thought <laughs> I was a girl from behind. And <laughs> I, I, another does time... Does that make it better or worse? It's not good either way. <laughs> Just take it as a compliment and we'll move yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and all the God cocktails are, are crap and overpriced. And there's so little pizza about. You can't even play ping pong. Don't go to spin. Okay. You know where you should have gone is, guys, what was the name of that place we went that what? night? Oh, the, the, the burger place. Abram, no, 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 not the burger place. What's the name of that bar we ended up at? Oh, the bar? Oh, in oh, the God. Share. oh you mean, oh, you're talking about like somewhere on the street. Something. It was oh, something no, it, it was the Blarney Stone. The Blarney Stone. The, yeah, oh, the, the Blarney Stone. Oh, the Blarney Stone's great. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't great at, at 1.30 a.m. Uh, on... What was that Sunday night? Yeah, <laughs> with was... the guy just like babbling and people like fainting out front because they drank so much. It was crazy. We were like the only people there that were at all involved at impacts. And... There were there were probably four emergent gameplay moments around us at that bar that we just didn't. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of ambient. There were a lot of interactables. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We and we chose not to engage with any of them because I got carded twice within two minutes. You got and like it was weird too because because <laughs> he carded you and then he looked at the other bartender and I don't know if you saw this. He went just pointed at me and, and i was like you just card him i'm just like all right i'm not gonna i'm not lying i am old enough games maybe games yeah all right so let's let's start from the top and work our way down so what does that mean well let's just start with what our like game <laughs> of the show was oh i see uh now, I, I wrote a whole article for thetwingeeks.com. I'll post a link in the description. So my opinions don't need to be known. But you three are unknown variables. So, Abram, let's start with you. What was your favorite game at PAX West 2023 in Seattle, USA? Foam Stars. <laughs> my favorite game was not Foam Stars. <laughs> um, we will talk about I Foam Stars. I think I know what it is. Yeah, it's obvious. It this, this is actually the beginning. You've opened up a whole segment for us, Murph, because my favorite game is thanks to my ability to play it is thanks to one of the four members here as brendan who got us into nintendo live uh oh. so we could play mario wonder i come there's all these amazing indies you look i was correct by the way yes everywhere you look there's this person who's poured their life and soul into this indie game and they can't wait for me to see it and come give it a shot no and you would you would rather kill yourself than put your hands on that controller <laughs> i wanted to play mario <laughs> big budget corporate ip driven <laughs> and i got to play mario is that why you were dressed as a toad that that was unreligious. That's his normal that outfit. But you were dressed that's as a the toad? baby shaking outfit. No, that, that's not. That's 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 Murph being. That's Murph being. You know, silly. I wouldn't do that. Oh. I'd only dress as 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 I'd only dress as Captain Falcon as I did today for the Nintendo Direct. That is true. <laughs> but we got. I we, saw that. Yes, we went into Nintendo Live. Your 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 friend brought us right in, skipped the nightmarish lines, which I still would have waited in to play Mario. Oh yes, Wonder. thank you, Justin. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you, everyone. Don't no no thanks to Tucker. I just want to have that. I just oh. want that on the record. Oh. We we get in. 
it's it's a <laughs> it's a cool event a lot of photo ops we didn't do most of them we went we made a beeline for the wonderland which ended up being what two minutes yeah, away screw the ac town ochi will come back to you we yeah. gotta go turn into elephants real quick that was the whole thing and we did and the three of us got to play together and it was great i mean we made a video tucker and i made a video talking about our impressions it's just so joyous it's so creative it's literally everything i was hoping that this sort of reinvention of mario would be uh it's like a sensory overload in the best way possible i just feel like they had so many goddamn gameplay ideas that they're like uh, it doesn't matter how many on screen. Just put them in there. Get them in there. Show them to, show them to the player. Um, so I found that really refreshing and, and, and great. But I've been talking a lot. So Tucker, is Mario Wonder your game of the show too? I feel like it might be. Um, you know, I mean, in terms of impact and like memorability, that will certainly be the one that sticks with me the most. Because it was, I mean, it's, it's the craziest thing. And I think this is the thing that really like jumped out at me as I was realizing that Brendan was probably going to be able to get us in and that Mario Wonder was there, which we did not know as we as we planned packs and as we arrived there, it had not been revealed yet, uh, is that we were some of the first people on the planet to play the n- new mainline Mario game that uh, of which a new one has not happened in a decade. Like, that is legitimately historic for the games industry. And so from that angle, I, I did love the game, but mostly for me it is... The fact that I was able to sort of take part in a, a moment of gaming history, uh, and it was really cool to be able to be immersed in this this atmosphere. And I really just loved the setup that they had because, as you said, like two or three minutes maybe for that line. Yeah. They had so many screens going on. It was four people per screen. It was really accessible. It was in really quickly, um, and and we just got to blast through and 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 see as much as we could. And I think my only regret from the entire thing is that. We easily could have, but we did not go back for a second or third or fourth or fifth time, um, which would have been a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I really did love that. Um, and it, it just felt really interesting to like be on that precipice. So it didn't feel like a new Super Mario Brothers game. No, not really. No, not really no. in any it felt, respect. No. It felt new and fresh because that's all I'm looking for in my 2D Mario right now. Yes, definitely. You then then you then you will enjoy this. Okay. Is it a like I I enjoy most Mario games just fine, but something with their recent releases, they do this thing of like they'll bring back the Tanuki leaf or sure. they'll have the cat bell or something. And it's like, okay, the entire game is just about that power up. You know? Yeah. All the enemies have Tanuki tails. Bowser turns into a cat. You know, yeah. whatever. We we don't know if we will see Elephant Bowser. He Bowser is currently Castle Bowser uh, because yes. the Wonderflower is fucking crazy, and he, and he going on an acid trip and then merge with a castle. That was fucking huge. But I would not be surprised if there was Elephant Bowser at some point. Um, but it doesn't seem like the Elephant Apple is like the prominent. This is the only idea this game has because I okay, think that's good, kind of been I'm the sold. thing. Is that's like all I need. the Squirrel Acorn from you and the Cat Bell from 3D World. Like those were kind of the main idea that those games mm-hmm. had brought to the table. But this game not only has multiple power-ups, but it really is the Wonder Flower that's the star of the show here, which changes the levels for the first time in the franchise. Uh, and that can do anything. When you touch a Wonder Flower, fucking anything can happen. And so it doesn't feel stagnant or repetitive from that regard. I would also say, I mean, even more than that, it's the badges. Like, sure. that's the thing that, like, really is... That's what the you got levels that are designed around that. It changes how your 
characters feel and um, how they how they behave changes your move set um, more so Sometimes than they're angry the, or sad or yeah more so than the than the elephant um, I think the thing that like really just stuck in my mind as like the big gameplay change was was that um, that and the fact that you don't bump into people yeah the, there's no collision no, that yeah. sounds super nice yeah I. Uh, it took them a while to figure it out. Did the multiplayer feel good? It felt so much yeah. better, literally just because of that change. I mean, it feels like they streamlined a lot of the gameplay experience here and complicated it in some ways. I think the badges is a great example of how it feels like... It really does feel like Nintendo looked at the sort of incredibly high skill ceiling of Super Mario Odyssey and the popularity of these, like, quote-unquote, expressive platformers or the speed games that are sort of in indie space is super huge right now and said, how can we apply some of that energy here? Make the game chaotic and super fun and multiplayer retain that obvious Mario charm, but raise that skill ceiling, introduce those multiplayer races and various things to make this a little bit more than just get Mm -hmm. to the flagpole. So so I I think that it's, I said, this is the phrase I coined with Tucker, the sort of creativity per square inch feels a, a lot denser here than it has in, yeah. in the other Mario titles of, of, of recent memory in the, uh, our lifetimes uh, in our lifetimes, actually <laughs> with, with the super series. But yeah, uh, we also got commemorative coins and elephant Mario keychains for going to the event. So how can you, how can you be disappointed with that? I was the rest of Nintendo live. I didn't get to go in. That was a, that was a place wrapped in secrecy, but all I heard was like, it took three hours to get in just so I could wait three hours for a merch line. <laughs> yeah, merch line and a lot of photo ops. And uh, I told Justin, I was like, we don't, I don't want the tour because like, I don't, I'm not going to take much photos with games <laughs> I don't care about. Um, not that I don't, not that I don't care about Nintendo games, but the games that were there that I, that like, I'll take a picture with Samus and that's yeah. probably it. Like, no Metroid <laughs> on the show floor. <laughs> there's no Metroid and there is barely any Zelda. It was like, there was that yeah. orchestra and there was the, Tears of the Kingdom. They had a Tears of the Kingdom set, section. Like, like, yeah, come on. I mean, what it, <laughs> everyone has a game. What it was was basically because they also had the big like Tears of the Kingdom link, but that was at PAX East earlier this year. I mean, a lot of what mm-hmm. that was was like an amalgamation of their old E3 and PAX props yeah. that they just had in a warehouse. Clearly, like that Animal Crossing Village, I saw at PAX East 2020, exactly the same. So, yeah. so and the and the smash props were from E3 2018. Yeah, and a lot of those I've seen because they now live sort of like on a rotating basis in Nintendo New York. So on on one hand, I think it's super cool that like I mean, obviously these are fairly exclusive events. It's expensive to get into packs, yeah. so like giving people another opportunity to check these out is super cool. But like from my perspective, I don't really care. I mean, I wanted to play Mario Wonder, get my picture with Ochi, my son, uh, my my child, and then and then leave. I felt pretty pretty satisfied after that. Brendan, what was your game of the show? Well, I... It's no surprise. I think Tucker and Abram will know. Um, I Because I talked about it a lot. I talked about it with anyone who asked me during the show. And I, I played a, a, several other games throughout the, the weekend. But the thing that I... Good. You um, probably shouldn't pay to get in to play one right. thing. No, but... Um, so uh, did. The, well, he was doing other stuff. He was he's literally taking over the industry. Um <laughs> Uh, I even said I, I derailing. I the like day I got back, I messaged bro. I was like, oh, I, we should do a debriefing on uh, packs. And I was like, and then my next message was, I'm pretty sure Abrams going to run this industry in the next ten years. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
uh, and I stand by that. Um, but the game of my game of the show was Arzet, which is the um, okay the CDI inspired uh, side-scrolling action platformer, light RPG elements. Um, basically, if you've seen the was it the Wand of Gamelon, and what's the other one, Faces of Evil, yes. and um, with the those, Zelda CDI games, those terrible like weird warping uh, animations, those cutscenes, they've recreated all of that, and that's kind of what I mean. Like Tucker and I, uh, the first time we, I played it was with Tucker, and yeah. we uh, we talked to the dev for quite a while. Like we were probably stand there for like twenty or thirty minutes just chatting about the game um playing chatting about the, games yeah games period yeah uh, that was and that was really fun um and it was like you know you talk to other people but like he was just at the limited run booth and it mm-hmm. uh, they're it publishing just, ours yeah and he was just standing there like just kind of like oh yeah yeah this is my game and it was it was uh it reminded me of like previous paxes where they would have like the indie like hall or the indie section and it was just like people just hanging out looking like yeah it was a lot like that. Like this year I didn't, because everything was so segmented, it felt like that was spread out a lot. And I didn't see as much of that this year. Um, so it was kind of nice to have some of those vibes from, uh, from the RZ demo. And honestly, the game itself is just, it's solid. Like it's not going to blow anyone away, but I think the novelty of having a game that looks and sounds like those CDI games, yeah. but it's fun to play and it's not yeah. a terrible game um yeah Th- that they definitely took liberties to improve where necessary absolutely and like it they made some smart changes it um you know it doesn't they didn't stay completely um faithful to how those games play like it's it's kind of its own thing right um but but the nods they did take it's like okay you know you can play this you can get the joke but it's it's a decent game and there's a lot to appreciate here beyond just being it's kind of like the CDI Zeldas. Um, mm-hmm. And I, for whatever reason, like I don't have any nostalgia for those games. I just know about it from like videos and articles like everyone else does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never hoops. played them. Yeah. Definitely. So, <laughs> so it's basically just like, okay, this is, you know, I have no, I have no affinity for that, but it really stuck with me. Um, and uh, that game is, I normally would be like, yeah okay that's cool but i maybe just because i talked to the developer and played it and i'm now something i'm really looking forward to yeah i think um the thing that was shocking when i uh played a bit of wand of gamelon a while back because i had to slake my curiosity Mm. is that it's like it's not a good game but it's not like the devs were sleepwalking through it like there are ideas there's like an energy and a passion there and yeah. getting a version of that with those kind of like cut scenes and the, that kind of like voice acting, those hand painted backgrounds, yeah, that's like actually playable and well done. That's like very tantalizing, and the fact they've got so many like original crew members from the CDI games to help out, like the voice actors, the person that painted the backgrounds, the mm-hmm. music, it's a passion project, and passion is infectious. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. For me. <laughs> Jinx. Oh, look at us! Look at us! It's because we we previewed our Z together, you know. Well, I mean, and I'm your uncle too, so I mean, it's, you know, it's excellent in, point it's in the family excellent bond. Point. Um, but I, yeah, our Z is probably my favorite experience. I I said that Wonder will be the thing that sticks with me the most. But for my first time ever talking to a dev about a game, and um, one of my first times playing a game 
early, uh, Arzette was kind of that perfect culmination of very unique. I hadn't played anything like it before. Very personal because I got to talk to the guy. And it because it, it was just him and one TV, it felt very... Like isolated, like uh, uh, the world kind of the, the world and the chaos of Pax just kind of melted away as I was like focusing on the screen, listening to this guy's story, and like Brendan and I talking to him about the fact that the industry is at a point where we can pull from so many different eras and art styles and concepts, and this is an idea, an era and concept that has never been touched before. It was only touched when it was forced to on yeah. the CDI, a console that no one particularly cares about anymore that has been lost to history and revitalizing that and showing that there is passion for these more forgotten eras of games history uh, and and taking that risk to to make a game that looks like a meme but because there's care and passion put behind it it's not actually a meme it's it's conceptually a meme it's like oh they're making a game like the thing but no this is just an interesting artistic endeavor and it's one I, I don't think that I'm... I don't think I'm going to love it, to be 100% honest. I'm going to play it. It's going to feel clunky. And I might feel a little too long. I don't know, who the hell knows? I, I might find it a little bit, you know, obtuse. But I will always respect and appreciate the game. Even though when I inevitably play it when it comes out, I don't expect to love it, but I expect to really appreciate its artistry. It already feels like one of those greater than, than the sum of its parts kind of a game. Like, sure. Oh, like, yeah. You know, there's there's stuff to like here beyond just the game itself. All right. Um, I guess we'll move on to me as the uh, the hostess in whose podcast it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my favorite game of the show uh, was Animal Well, mm. and that was tucked away in the the indie mega booth. Animal Well doesn't really need me to promote it because it got a huge publicity bump when uh, it was the first game to be published by Donkey's new uh, publishing company, Big Mode. Never heard but, of it. Uh, Oh, okay. Uh, he's a YouTuber, so uh, oh, like, a lot of subscribers. Yeah. It's it's the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, Animal Well is great. I have a real affection for uh, games like Out of This World and Heart of Darkness, which are just like sort of puzzle platformers, but really take the time to like build these full screen tableaus, these like, and you'll move a screen and it's just something completely different from the screen that was there before. And like in one sequence, you'll walk through and you're uh, on these platforms looking down and there's just these giant, beautiful pixel art herons walking through a river, catching fish. And because the game is interconnected, you can actually go one later you can walk down on that level and now you have to like avoid those herons they're not just for show they're enemies they're trying to eat you because you're just a little yellow guy um and just the pixel art's great the atmosphere and the sound the fact that you just like hatch out of an egg and it's just go like there's no direction no tutorial you just kind of explore around. And I played that demo three different times and went in three completely different areas. And oh, I had like some people like leaning over and asking me like, hey, how'd you get there? What? what yeah. Where is that? Um, I'm stuck on the, the creepy specter wolf that floats around and chases you, you know? Oh, uh, I died there, that, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, I could not even begin to tell you the way I went to get to where I am. I just know that I am there. Um. I think it's something that's going to be really special, and I'm 100% looking forward to its release. I got to play uh, Animal Well at PAX East earlier this year, and I think what's mm, most impressive... Big show, yeah. 
<laughs> I think what's most impressive to me about Animal Well is, as you're saying, there are so many opportunities for uh, exploration, but it also feels quite intuitive to me in, in my time playing the game. I You do run into these roadblocks that clearly suggest some sort of like Metroidvania-style progression, because that's ultimately what Animal Well is. But it, it, it never feels like there's this sort of, um, I need to... to, to to borrow the now infamous Metroid Dread example, break that sort of invisible hole in the ceiling to progress. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't encounter that moment. And I think that's really special. And I think it's sort of a testament to how carefully handcrafted the game is. And I think the word tableau is perfect for it. I think Animal is going to be awesome. Everybody who's working on the game that I've gotten to talk to so far is awesome also. Uh, and they were super busy. I think that Animal Well is going to be a massive deal when the game comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, that Metroidvania feeling, because there's not anything where it's like, you need a missile to break through this door, because uh, this is the missile door. It's more like you'll enter a room, and this little ghost will appear and chase you, and it's like, well, I can't do anything about that ghost. Let's go left, and to the left, you find these little red firecracker flowers you can pick up, and that's a resource you can collect, and then you can throw that at the ghost, and it will go away. And it's just yeah. you're more building knowledge rather than acquiring keys for doors Mm. and that's that's just very satisfying to the exploration and i hope they can keep it up for the entirety of the game and it's not too front-loaded i'd hate for this to have the green hill zone problem of it's fun at the start and then later down the line it gets really slow and boring Mm. but uh yeah yeah, i it would have to get pretty bad to like slump after that opening bit of the demo i played yeah And uh, so now let's open it up a bit to just some other general games, maybe not necessarily good ones, but games we remember and stick out. Brendan's making a face. Brendan, do you have an opener for, especially when I said there are some that may not be good? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean no disrespect to the fine folks who are trying their best to make what is potentially a very, you know, inspired interesting take on the souls-like action rpg formula but enotria is a not a not a great spot at the moment at least based upon the pax west demo that was on the show floor who boy um this is a uh it's it's made by an italian um indie team i forget the name of the of the studio off the top of my mind uh, off the top of my head but um it is it is an italian inspired is, is a souls like inspired by like italian folklore italian art and and history um so you know there's there's a lot of very um everyone's got like masks that are very you know ornate and they're if you think of like an italian renaissance era but it's like souls like so everything's kind of like dark and evil and but also colorful and pretty at the same time it's all that stuff it's it's it if you played it's kind of like I'm going to stop explaining what what the setting is like and then I'm going to move on to the gameplay. <laughs> um if you played Bloodborne, it's probably closest to that. Actually, it reminds me a lot of Mortal Shell in the way that you have like um like archetypical different loadouts that you can swap between rather than having you know a specific build or a weapon that you're swapping between you're swapping between a character that looks different has different items different weapons different move sets 
all that sort of thing. Um, this demo had Tucker. You also did you play it or were you just standing I by did. me? Yeah, no, that's I, right. Um, I, yeah, I was standing right next to you playing the game at the same time. And uh, was there three characters? Am I remembering that correctly? So your character has a set of masks that you swap between, right. and the masks are associated with a different weapon archetype. So there's there was probably a, a spear, a heavy weapon, and a sword. It, it, it was kind of just uh, swapping between those, but. I don't remember how many there were because, and I think this is just goes back to like my Souls lineage experience. I like to really hone in on one weapon and like get yeah. used to its attack range and stuff. And so I've never been forced to um, experiment with swapping as freely as this allows, which I think is actually a really interesting concept. It's a lot, it's a lot more about that experimentation than the the Souls games that I've played have been because there's like their block of time you have to find the weapon or you right. have to buy it or you have to you know, fucking you know tell a guy to go down a hole in order to get it whatever <laughs> right um but though i think it feels distinct because of that change in gameplay structure it being a lot easier to experiment with multiple weapon sets um and i do think that the idea of setting souls type gameplay in a more bright and cheery and frankly kind of inviting environment the area that we went through actually started off in a sunflower field and like sunset you walk out of a cave and you're like going down this hillside pretty interesting opening area for this game to like introduce you to this and then you're on a beach side and there's like colorful flags waving you cross this bridge into this um, really ornate italian village that is really cool conceptually but i think that it's the the execution that comes from it being a smaller team uh that doesn't have the polished experience and doesn't have the breadth of people that can be really meticulous about things because it felt a little bit choppy i, I, was, I was clipping through some things um the hit detection was pretty wonky the hit detection was uh, by far the biggest problem with the game just to yeah. illustrate and it was the thing that i was struggling with the most is um even in like the what is it the 10 to 15 minutes that we played the demo i never got a good feel for what the not not just mine but like what the enemy pacing of like hit um uh like hit move sets were so um not only that if an enemy did have a move set uh, like a move where it does damage the moment that animation began if you were anywhere near that enemy it would do damage to you so it was like this enemy could like move slightly and all of a sudden it's hurt back box is activated and it's doing full damage to you. Even though it's like, it's not, it's not hitting you at the apex of its swing and doing a bunch of damage. It's just like moving its sword. Oh, it hit you. You took damage and you died or you got knocked out of your animation priority, whatever it was. And it was really frustrating and it was really weird. And of course, you know, you're on the show floor. So it's always difficult to like really sink into a demo when you're on the show floor. But this was just, an extra layer of of jank that um really hurt it for me in my demo and the thing is is like like what tucker was saying you know it does have this dark fantasy thing but like the settings if you played uh dark souls 2 everything is majula or like you know if you've played ashen everything is the last like city of ashen where everything is bright and vibrant and colorful um with this you know there's definitely something dark and sinister going on here too but um so dark and sinister going on in a souls like yeah i mean it's a big new step you know we've never seen it before um (laughs) i'm i was disappointed because it seemed like you know it it, it could be something pretty cool i had not seen any real trade i I think maybe it had been in like a a direct or something or like a like an indie showcase um before but i you know 
there's a there's still time you know the the hitboxes could be fixed the uh the jank and the weird animations could be polished up and this could end up being something like um you know some of those other bloodborne like games that have come out recently um you know lies of p or whatnot maybe it could all take us by surprise as it stands right now i'm not expecting much from it it's interesting just sort of from the outsider's perspective since i don't really play souls games the idea of saying hey i want to make a quote-unquote souls like when sort of the masters of that field are still at the apex of their game feels Mm -hmm. inherently hard to me like it's yeah. not like FromSoft has stepped away from this space. It needs to be filled. Yeah, I think, I think this is something, I mean, this is a broader topic that maybe we could talk about another time, but I, I think with any successful um, new take or, or reinvention of, you know, because really what, what Dark Souls really is, is it's, it's just Wizardry or Kingsfield repackaged in a different way, right? And yeah. so, and it, it brings back that old school, really difficult, high tension, um, gameplay and combat focused RPG experience. Um, and a lot of people really resonated with that and they want to give other people or recreate that sense of stuff in their own game. Um, and they think that by doing the only way to do that is to do, we got to have the same combat or we got to have the same, you know, um, art styles or whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Same level structure where like, the reason you feel that way is because of the core philosophy underlying those mechanics. And a lot of times people are missing that you need to get that right first and then build your mechanics to fit your game. You don't need to just be like, I'm just going to take the souls combat or I'm going to take the souls, you know, bonfire corpse run structure and boom, I'll have a game that's just as good as dark souls. It's like, no, everything in dark souls and and all of these from soft games, regardless of if they're a souls like or not, the reason that they resonate with people so good, even if they're the janky ass PS one Kingsfield games is because they have that, that underlying philosophy and they've really stuck to that. Even before Miyazaki, they had it and almost all their games you can point to it and be like, it has it. They know what they're doing. And every, every little piece of every character's art design, it feeds into this feeling. And Miyazaki just amplified that. And that's how he directs games. Um, so it's hard. And I, honestly, like kind of w- w- to Abram's point, I don't think, I think Mortal Shell and Ashen, two of the games that I brought up, are some of the only Souls-like games that I think do a good job of being Souls-likes because they have, especially Ashen, has that, we're going to do this and then we're going to use these, you know, these elements, but they're not trying to be Dark Souls. Um, or a lot of these games are trying to be Dark Souls, but, you know, it's set in an Italian countryside or Dark Souls, but we're a cyberpunk, you know, uh, whatever, futuristic thing like uh, The Surge. So anyway, that is something that I, I think about a lot. And I, I think a lot of games like Tears of the Kingdom, everyone all of a sudden was like, oh, I got to have oversaturated green grass blue skies piano music open world <laughs> and everything is gonna i'm then i'm gonna have a success like breath of the wild and it's like nah dude you, breath of the wilds was a success because of the stuff underlying those systems so yeah there were a lot of like blank likes or spiritual successors mm-hmm. uh at pax this year uh did any of, any of you play big boy boxing uh no yeah, familiar with it yeah but this is the one that's yeah. kind of like ro- rock'em sock'em robots 
I mean, it's like Punch-Out. Punch it's out. like oh, exactly okay. like Punch-Out. And Nintendo's not making any new Punch-Outs. I thought we would get one on the Switch by now, but I don't think we are. Nope. Uh, we'll get Punch-Out 99 in two years. We're talking about <laughs> ARMS is a Punch-Out like. Shut your whore dungeon-crawling mouth. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> uh, Big Boy Boxing... Um, also kind of has that CDI-style animation. A d- different uh, developer from CDI Games who made some mini-golfing games, but uh, very much of that style with this really fluid, sort of 2D, uh, looks hand-drawn, but it's still pixel art. And it's just, it is just punch-out. You have the you have the hits, you're looking for openings to unleash combos. There, The enemy will taunt you and flash yellow, and that's your cue to hit them to get a star for a power-up move. Um, it all looks great, and they're doing some extra, like, different kinds of modes and evolving on that um, core, that very simple gameplay with these great character designs. There's one that's like a stack of children in a trench coat, yeah, and they're just punching from different <laughs> angles. Sounds There's good. one that's, like, just straight up the villain from Cats Don't Dance. Um, you know, it all looks great, but the gameplay is just not tight like Punch-Out!, and that's a huge problem yeah. where in punch out you can like hit the punch button but you can still like have a few frames to like dodge if you just like realize that you were mashing and you need to get out of there this didn't feel like it had like any sort of canceling like that or there was just a weird delay on the dodging and the result was i played that demo probably like 5 times trying out different uh matches and each time I was losing, and it just didn't feel like my fault, because I saw the attack coming, I hit the dodge button, but the guy didn't dodge. Hmm. And it just, it, I want to like this. I want to like this so very, very bad, because I like all the Punch-Out games. I like the, the original NES, I like the SNES, I like the Wii version, I've played them, I've beaten them all. I'm hungry for a new Punch-Out. And this looks like it should be, but it just isn't playing like that. Hmm. Was this one of the demos that you played on Steam Deck, or was this on the show floor? This was on the uh, show floor. The show yeah, floor. Okay. This was in front of the uh, Indie Mega booth, right next to Anton Blast, which is a oh, okay. Wario, uh, Wario Land like. Um, but yeah, it also has a demo currently available on Steam. And like people uh, I was chatting with on Discord were like, oh, I don't think it's that bad. I think you're just bad at the game, Murph. And I was like, download the demo and tell me I am wrong. And then they would come back to me and like, yeah, you're not wrong. Okay. This has a weird, funky input delay. And it's something like, I want to like grab the dev and shake them and be like, you need to fix this. You need to fix this right now or I'm going to be a sad Murph. Yeah, that's really, I, I, it's, it's unfortunate because like you're saying, there's not a lot of, there's like no punch out likes. I can't, I, I can't even think of any, I'm sure there are, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. And you know, you'd think that it would be kind of a layup to be like, hey, we're making punch out. Um, but you know, that sucks. Yeah. Hopefully it comes together. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, uh, oh, uh, you guys wanted to talk about foam stars for some reason? Yeah, man, game Most of the show. Is a joke. No, that was the last thing that we demoed, uh mostly because it was such a f- joke to me. Um, because Foam Stars, new Square Enix IP, very obviously ripping on Splatoon, revealed at the um, PlayStation Showcase earlier this summer. Yeah, it was the Splatoon-like of the show. Yes. Uh, um, in in the vein of uh, Ninjala and Crayola Scoot, a long lineage of great <laughs> games. Um, but Foam Stars 
Avon and I got a chance to play it. They had this setup that was uh, 4v4, and they had four screens on one side, four screens on the other side, and it was just a full eight-player match. And uh, it's it's interesting that people are taking inspiration from something like Splatoon that in and of itself is in, intended to reinvent an already very popular genre. It's very genre. contemporary. Oh, absolutely. And, and Foam Stars feels like that as well, but it falls more into the uh, sort of Destruction All-Stars camp of yeah. th- these are characters that are designed to fit archetypes and you're going to like them and, you know, they're poppy and colorful um, without having the base level of this is interesting before all of that. And what Foam Stars does that I think was its biggest strength and its biggest weakness is have this foam identity of Splatoon, but what if the ink stacked? And, and that's actually not a bad idea at face value. Um, but what it really comes down to is you foam up your opponents and then you have a surfboard that you can ride around on uh, and you have to run, you have to surf into them to like send them flying and then they die. Or you can surf into your opponents to save them from from being rolled off. Um, and, and that's a pretty cool concept. But what it comes down to is the stacking of the foam is cool in concept, but in execution doesn't fucking matter. Because mm-hmm. you can surf on any foam. I guess you, you, it, you're like slower in your opponent's foam, much like Splatoon. Yeah. Um, but the walls don't really do anything. Like you're not like building forts and like strategizing around what levels of foam are like stacked up. Uh, and you mm-hmm. always know where everyone is. So you're not like hiding behind the foam. And so the main gimmick of uh, Splatoon, if the ink stacked, ends up not having much impact on the gameplay. And then the, sh- the structure, because the game is not based around, frankly, how much foam you have on the field at all, it doesn't feel like it's much more than just a, a you know circular arena where you're shooting four other players. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't play Foam Stars, but I did like stand and watch people play it for like a, sure. a couple matches, and it looked like something where every match was playing out roughly the same. Like the, I was trying to look and see like, did this map look wildly different with the foam than the mm-hmm. last match I see saw? And the answer was no, and that could be because you know this is a show floor demo. It's not like there's a meta. You know, but I can't really picture a meta developing for this game. Like, are people going to be like, oh, we need people building walls and towers so we can snipe from our foam towers. You know, it just doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like anything. It just feels like all flash, no substance. Yeah. I I found Foam Stars to be completely illegible. Uh, and I think that's <laughs> one of my biggest issues with the game. I think that Splatoon has a couple things going for it on a fundamental level. The first is that there's a great sense of visual clarity to the game, and the second is that the ink mechanic, and it goes actually to what Brennan was saying earlier about Souls-likes and this idea of going a layer deeper. What the ink mechanic in Splatoon does is it ties movement, combat, and objective play together very, very, very intimately. And I don't think that Foamstar's quite grasps that idea fully because it ultimately feels like as tucker is saying the foam just kind of exists the game is ostensibly a hero shooter really and you just can kind of put stuff around the arena and and i Mm. think that's a missed opportunity because i don't think it quite captures what splatoon did which is sort of reinterpreting what shooting means ostensibly when you when you're playing halo and you miss you missed that's it aim better 
Splatoon, yeah. Splatoon is kind of almost like about aiming differently. But Foam Stars, at least in this sort of um, TDM environment we were playing in, is really just about run up on the guy, blast the shit out of him, surfboard through, and you're good. I just and and you use sort of your your um you know your cooldowns as and when you can. I I think that it's very hard to follow the action. It's also hard to know because I'm playing on a show floor, so like I swept the team we we're playing, which is not to say that I'm like a god at foam stars. I think it's just that. I've played you get, you sh- get shooters. We, we hear yeah. that. We understand what you're saying. Well, I mean, I'm, Is that, I mean, your shirt I an does say God of Foam Stars. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I do have an aptitude for foam-based activities. But, yeah, I just I just don't... Great at foam baths. <laughs> God damn. I just don't see... He shakes babies and he makes foam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the depths of foam stars. I think that's ultimately the long and the short of it for me. <laughs> So it sounds like that uh, Foam Stars is not the game that's going to take uh, Square Enix out of its uh, hole that it dug <laughs> by making various day life and uh, all these other amazing uh, $50, $40 games. I think that if the investors knew about various day life, they wouldn't be so hard on the stock. I, just I mean, think that look, it's dude, not and Harvestella. Enough. Harvestella <laughs> yeah. also. Oh, yeah. I have a friend who's played about 70 hours of Harvestella and they love it. It's, it's not bad. It's not bad. But that wasn't at PAX. That was not at PAX. Yeah, so, stop talking about the other fucking. Can, you know, you know wasn't at was, PAX. Dark Souls wasn't at PAX. Shut the can fuck we up. do some? Yo, yo, was at PAX? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Amy. Well, I was just gonna say, I think we should do some positive Rex because we've all talked about oh, games yeah. we haven't liked I have, now. <laughs> I only have, I have like two. Yeah, I have two more games that I really would like to shout out. Otherwise, like, and they're both because I liked them. It's not. It's Hell not yeah. altered Alma, which you have the floor was kind of fun, but you know, ultimately, <laughs> it, I. I Anyway, uh, no. So the first one is uh, the Thaumaturge. This okay. game, oh, did you play I it? didn't quite like that. Yes, uh, I went. Oh, you didn't. No. Okay. I. I mean, I didn't. I didn't love it. I just. I am very interested in seeing how it all shapes up. Um, I would agree. It's intriguing. What's it's, this sort of thirty-second pitch? Listen for this a little game? context. This yeah. is okay. So it is a. It is a CRPG. It, it, okay, it blends CRPG elements of like stuff like Baldur's Gate with like traditional console or Japanese style RPGs, especially Persona. And so basically, what this is set during it's in Warsaw in like 1900s, like early 1900s. Uh, during I don't know if this is a historical war, so I am sorry if I like if it is or isn't. Some Eastern European revolution. It's in there Poland. Lot, there are a lot of those. During so probably happened. There's it's a war between Poland and Russia, and you're playing uh, this guy who's going around during during the war, and he's helping people who like you know someone might be feeling depressed or they're having like something bad is happening to them, and it's usually it's because of spirits that are like haunting them. And like in Persona, you have a spirit that you call into battle and that you, you know, collect other spirits and whatever. Uh, you level them up, power them up. And the combat is also very similar to like turn-based console JRPGs um, where you're selecting attacks and whatever um, in, in that sort of style. The top-down exploration is more like Baldur's Gate. Um, and the vibe, the vibe is like fantasy metro 20 
2023 or whatever the number is for I would, I'll back you up on this. Yeah, there is there is kind of like a, a down and dirty, like yeah. grungy vibe to things. It's it's grimy. And there may be a little bit of The Witcher in there as well. You know, and, and I'm not saying that just because these are also made by like Polish and Russian developers. Like there's just this vibe to it. It's it's cold and muddy and rainy. Things aren't great. Uh, kind of like an atomic heart kind of... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, kind of. I didn't see any titty robots. No titty robots. Damn um, No weird, like, out. like pseudo-Soviet worship slash criticism. <laughs> I don't know what the politics of that game were, and I don't care. Uh, this game, though, like, it's it seems interesting. And I want to like it. I think that's what it is. I think that the idea of, like, of, like early 1900s Polish revolutionary persona with like gross demons is a really cool idea um when i was looking when tucker and i were looking at it from afar the first day we're like what the fuck is that like it's such a we couldn't tell we make heads or tails like what the gameplay was but it turns out yeah Yeah. it's 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 if you if you looked at the demo at different like times it would look like three different games yeah exactly yeah well because there's like these cutscenes that for us were like uh, until dawn or the quarry and we're like oh what mm-hmm. is this game and then they'd cut and be like really high quality models in uh, of of like realistic people in a like it's in this l- setup of like a early final fantasy game like facing off at one yeah. or like yeah, kind of yeah, squared exactly. up and, and we're like who the fuck is making this this is kind of crazy like people aren't putting this kind of like big budget high production value into uh into like traditional jrpgs and then you telling me it has this sort of crpg top-down like yeah uh, navigation for the exploration and like the overall I'm like this is such a smash of ideas that could turn out uh, who the fuck was, knows but I, like i'm really glad they're trying it yeah it, it totally took me by surprise that that was what the exploration sections were like and the exploration is stuff like like the in that demo there's something like you got to figure out like what sort of demon is haunting this bar and you go around and you like explore clues and piece them together like you'll find oh this window's cracked it looks like someone's like head was smashed against it over here some dried old blood and you're piecing it together like okay what happened here what caused the demon to appear and like that sort of detective work aspect was fun uh for me and that was the most interesting part of the demo I think just overall, I found the the cutscenes to be really stiff and the voice acting yeah. not that great. Yes, I I wanted to avoid using the word Eurojank, but this game does feel like it's in the lineage of stuff like the original Witcher or um, or Gothic and uh, that series, um, which admittedly I like weird janky, you know, seven out of ten things like that. I find them very charming, and I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of gold to mine in those weird, rough-edged games. Um, at first glance, this doesn't look like that. That's what that is. So it is. It was a little bit disappointing and jarring, but I think, like, if this, if the gameplay, if the combat could stick the landing, if it's, if it remains as, and if the detective stuff remains as interesting, and and there's the expand upon it, I do think this game could pull through and be like, like. It could be like the vampire of next year. Do you guys remember vampire mm. or, yeah. or, you know, um, uh, greedfall, that sort of thing. I feel like it could occupy that sort of I like, was, uh, what, what is that studio? Like spiders or something? Spiders. I think and then, called, yeah. Technomancer, firefall or whatever. Right. Uh, 
bound by flame. That's it. It definitely had that sort of energy. Exactly. And I think that, you know, if that's the game, if that's how the game shapes up, like I, I thought vampire was fine and I didn't really play Greedfall. I had a couple of friends who were really into it. Um, but this one just like, just the conceit alone. Once I learned what this game was, I was vastly more interested in it. And so I, I do hope it comes together. I think people got to keep an eye on 11-Bit Studios. That's who's doing that game. Yeah. They are doing The Invincible, which looks great. Uh, they Yes, can I talk about The Invincible? Go for it. Yeah, I just think they're a great team, 11-Bit. I, that was one of the first demos I played there. I really liked the atmosphere in The Invincible. That's based on a 60s Polish science fiction novel, basically about a science team that lands on this alien planet and they all go missing, and, like, the one person with contact to the ship or opening overhead has to go, like, find out what happened to them. Um, it's one of those walking sim sort of horror games, but the atmosphere and the visual aesthetic, like, the art direction on everything is so just... It's just gonna sound so, like, stupid, but it's what it should be. It is retro-future... Everything is, like, analog and functional, and, like, everything mm. has these big clicky buttons, and it looks like if you could drop it off a, a cliff and it would be fine, which is what, like, space exploration gear should be. It's none of this, like, slick stuff with holograms and everything's chrome. Right. Um, everything's, like, chunky and tactile, and there's a lot of moments of, like, investigating something, and you're just panning your mouse over, and you can look for, like, little, like, oh, this bit flips up and reveals a button. And it feels very, like, missed in that way of, like, figuring out what the tech does. And it also feels in character for who you're playing because you're some you're a researcher. So you're looking at things from a very scientific perspective. Like, okay, this does this. This person is exhibiting symptoms of this. Um, and then you're out exploring and there's just this feeling of unease. Like, something is watching you. And the demo I played ended with, like, coming across, like, this random metal structure sticking out of the ground, like this antenna. And it's like, what the hell is that, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I really liked it. I'm looking forward to that one. So is that one specifically made by 11-Bit? Because Thaum the Thaumaturge is, the, is a game they're publishing. And I know oh, that they do okay. both uh, publishing and, and development. Yeah, they're um, developing the Invincible. They also developed Frostpunk in the past, which is another one of the yeah Frostpunk and this War games. of this War of Mine is probably another one that people know. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. and they published Moonlighter, which yeah. is a game that I think is pretty pretty cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have I have an open letter to Devolver Digital. Okay. Uh, this goes to all their packs. You need timers on your demos. You one hundred percent need timers on your demos because every year Devolver gets like the biggest booths and they set up all these really fun looking demos, but it's like straight up like the steam next fest demo or whatever, oh. where it's like, you can play the first three levels of the game and we're not going to time you. I sat behind a guy who died five times on the same pepper grinder level uh, for 30 minutes. Uh, and then he moved on to the next level and died more for another 30 minutes. Did you get to play uh, pepper grinder though? I did, and I got a free uh, Steam key for it. I don't want to talk about Pepper Grinder. What I want to talk about oh. is Gunbrella. Oh. And whoa. I really liked Gunbrella. Okay, interesting. All right. Yeah, because... Uh, yeah, so Gunbrella is this 2D, uh, really, again, like, really great pixel art, this really earthy color palette. Um, it's something that's, like, not quite steampunk. I'm not really sure... They call it noir punk. What? Yeah, something like that. 
Um, but what it has is that Castlevania sort of one-hit kill, only instead of a whip, you have a shotgun. So you're, like, hopping over a dude and shotgunning down, and you kill him in one hit. And it's, like, has this real juxtaposition where you're when you're walking around just exploring the overworld, uh, it has this sort of slow, methodical pace. You're, like, looking around for stuff, looking for clues, talking to people. And then once you get into an area with combat, it's all fast-paced and bloody. Like, this is something where, like, you shoot a guy and just bits of him will fly everywhere. The pixel art, the pixel blood will start to seep into the ground. Hmm. And, like, for a moment, I was like, oh, my, am I, like, 16-bit, like, Joel from The Last of Us? I'm having feelings about the amount of violence I just caused here. But it also has this really zippy movement. I love games that start you off with all the movement options you'll need. You have an air dash that's multi-directional. You have a glide. You can zip line. Um, you can, like, bounce like Scrooge McDuck like in Shovel Knight. Um, and that's all available right at the start. And I think if it can keep up that pace of, like, this sort of juxtaposing slow methodical like exploration hunting for secrets and things and then this fast-paced bloody combat um i think that would be really fun and i think it's actually releasing pretty damn soon it's it came out yesterday or yeah oh Tuesday. well then yeah um the initial r- round of reviews were positive the last couple ones i've seen have been more mixed um i think the biggest complaint since tends to be towards the story whereas the characters and the writing is good but like the the plot and the the narrative itself kind of falls mm-hmm. short but the thing that i mean i really liked about it was just i mean that the vibe of it and that like you were talking about like the it's it's bloody it's whatever but like you know there's a a, a lovecraftian grossness to not just yeah. the not just the monsters and, and things that you're fighting but like the environments like they're gross like it's set in a city, and so like if you're in the sewers, there's like trash, and and garbage, and and like rust everywhere. Um, it's all these environments look wet. Yeah, wet and and like there's like a haze over everything. It's it's very yeah. it's very atmospheric. Um, and for a two D very like you were saying, zippy is probably the, the best word to describe it. A zippy two D action platformer like that to have such a like a dense and dank atmosphere is really cool. Yeah, I think the one pro, uh, the one extra problem I had with the demo was the dialogues were a little funky. You couldn't mm. back out of talking with someone, and there was a lot of selecting the same dialogue option multiple times to get different results. Mm. Like you talk to someone and be like, "Tell me about the girl you saw," and he says, "I don't want to tell you about that." And then you'd say, tell me about the girl you saw. And he said, like, oh, well, you broke me down. She went that way. You Mm. know, it's like, well, if I'm the player, I wouldn't really intuit that. You know, I would just think, oh, the game's broken. It's not letting me exit this dialogue. I have to say, I'm I'm, well, I was going to say I'm very compelled by this one. Uh, I have a flight this weekend. I have it queued up. Uh, So I'm looking forward to giving it a shot. I don't know. I, I, I like Correct me if I'm wrong, Murph. This we're, we're not doing much Metroidvania and Gunbrilla, right? This is a pretty straightforward run and gun platformer that, situation. Uh, or no? The bit I played, which is the opening section of the game, um, it didn't look like there was anything for unlocking abilities. There's definitely an inventory system. Okay, there's for like picking up like different healables, and like you can pick up a grenade and shoot that out of your umbrella. Um, but I didn't see much in the way of like power ups. But there was talk of, like, a smith or someone who could upgrade the umbrella. Yeah. 
the, and there's the different ammunitions and things that you can find that do different okay. uh, damage or whatever. Okay. Um, it's there. There is exploration. Uh, I don't know how contiguous it all is. I don't know how it interconnects. I don't know if you're unlocking gates or if you're getting new power ups per se. Um, but there does seem to be an element of persistent, you know, um, uh, progression and maybe some backtracking. Um, I have not seen the word Metroidvania necessarily applied to it. A lot of it is like 2D action side-scrolling platforming with a lot of exploration. Or like um, uh, I saw someone use like 2D RPG elements. I'm like, eh, maybe not. But like, it seems a little more like a, like a Shantae. Okay. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Ideal. I'm. I'm just. I want. I, I need a couple more platformers that have no Metroidvania, no upgrades, no nothing. <laughs> a st- I want to give me a stage select. Give me a nice three minute so stage to beat. You don't want to hear about the Christmas Carol Metroidvania, huh? <laughs> what is this something you played at PAX? Yeah, this was tucked away. Ebenezer and the Invisible World. Oh, very interesting. It's a it's a up. sequel to a Christmas Carol where. Ebenezer Scrooge is Danny Phantom, and he's got to go around London taking out all the ghosts that are coming through. And it is just a straight-up Metroidvania. A, a ghost will come up to Ebenezer and be like, here's a quest I need you to do. I need you to fulfill my last wish so I can go to half peace. And Ebenezer's like, I'm 86. I'll take care of this. And you uh, you hop, yeah, and you fight with your cane. And when you finish a quest, uh, the ghost will actually become a power for you. So there was one who... Uh, did a like a thing he was a a fire juggler in london square and he'll come out and he'll spin around a big fire stick and then do an aoe attack and that will clear uh the screen of ghosts for you um you know it's it was interesting because playing the demo i forgot i was playing a christmas carol metroidvania because it just what's the art style it's a hand-drawn uh art style quite nice just looking it up now yeah yeah the art is very lovely and the devs were talking to me about how um they actually like did a lot of meticulous research on like the time period that christmas carol is set in to make sure everything looks accurate like uh that fire juggler i mentioned is like based his like appearance is based on pictures of fire jugglers of the time Hmm. and things like that so it's not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, this is one to keep an eye out for. But I think it does more, like like we were talking about um, Azeroth. It's more than just like the elevator pitch of Christmas Carol Metroidvania. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to, to put that out there because the devs were really nice and I talked with them a, a long time. Cool. I want to raise... I want to raise two. The first I'm very biased about because I'm good friends with the dev. Uh, that's Anton Blast. Uh, okay. I I have not played their most recent build, which was on the PAX show floor. I've played the build right before that. But essentially, you, you were saying that Anton Blast is sort of Wario-like, and it is in that sort of structurally there are some similarities with particularly Wario Land 4, Tony, the lead dev, is also a massive Wario fan, but the game ends up being uh, a little bit more than that. It it infuses a lot of Crash Bandicoot. Uh, there is a really great 
amount of influence from American animation and Ed, Ed and Eddie and Beavis and Butthead and various things and how the game looks and feels and presents itself. Um, I'm really looking forward to Anton Blast. Again, I'm very biased, but I, I became friends with Tony because I was compelled by how Anton Blast looked. I don't know if any of you guys have gotten a chance to try the game yet, but... I I played the demo they had at PAX. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you're saying all these other influences. I walked away being like, this is indie game inspired by Wario Land sure. number 37. Yeah, I was going to ask, how does it differentiate itself from Pizza Tower? P- have you played Pizza Tower, Brendan? No, I haven't played either. I'm a big fan of Wario Land. Like, there's some of the few, like, 2D platformers that I really got into. Um, only in the last couple of years, too. So, like, two new games with very cool-looking art style. Very similar art styles, too, in, in some weird ways. Um, yeah. Like, going for that vibe, I'm very into. But I, I'm like, they're so similar to me at a glance, so... Yeah, it's it's interesting because the games have sort of become uh, synonymous with each other in a lot of ways. I mean, their communities are ostensibly joined into one at this point. But sure. it's interesting because Pizza Tower takes way more from, in my opinion, like Sonic and in, in, in things like that than it does strictly Wario. Because Pizza mm-hmm. Tower is extremely fast. It's way more interested in this sense of um speed speed running it's 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 very much a speed game it's also very much interested in sort of acquiescing to the player a lot of pizza towers like running up walls and diving and chaining moves together and the game is very very generous pizza tower is really good at making you feel like you're basically rolling down a hill the whole game feels like rolling down a hill and rolling down a hill is really fun because nothing really impedes your sense of momentum and the fact that you gain more speed the, the more you roll and yeah, you're rolling around at the speed of sound. Pretty much, but you're a fat man named Pepino instead of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, so, I mean, Pizza Tower is one of my favorite games of the year. I fucking love Pizza Tower. Anton Blast is quite different in that, yeah, they both share a lot of the same objectives. They both have this sort of Warrior Land 4 escape component. There is, in Pizza Tower, some light exploration. and Anton Blast, the game's a little bit more predicated on that. It's a lot slower. It's also a more technical game. The where where some of the Crash Bandicoot comes in, and actually some uh, Crash Team Racing is another thing Tony talks about a lot. Is there's this sort of clutch boost mechanic uh, where you can essentially start stacking speed boosts and going super okay. fucking fast through the levels. So there's this. That's what that mechanic was. Yeah. Okay. There's this sort of dichotomy. This game sounds in, awesome now. Like yeah. I'm just like I mean Pizza Tower. I'd seen some stuff for it. I have, I have seen and heard nothing about Anton Blast. I've seen trailers for it. And so those that you're saying it's a more technical game and it has this like speed stacking mechanic. Like, yeah, it's yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy it. Pizza Tower. I love but Pizza Tower is like a one, it's it's a one speed experience. And that speed is sicko mode. Anton okay. Anton Blast, you, you can sort of on, on a more casual, quote unquote, level. It's a sort of a slower paced, more explorative 2D platformer. But then there's this very very high skill ceiling where you can start to play it much more like a speed game and get quite technical in your movement so i think the games are are a lot more different than sort of the internet perception of them interesting that makes a lot of sense too because like um like i was so confused how these two games 
were able to coexist in a way yeah. that I've seen no one be like, like, why is it they, like one is like, it sounds like they're way more distinct than I realized they were also way more like differentiated from even the Wario land stuff, even though they, there's very obvious inspirations. Um, yeah. You saying that pizza land is like Sonic. I'm going to be honest as someone who's not the biggest <laughs> Sonic fan, 2d Sonic fan. I kind of like, that, that takes it down a couple notches on my maybe I should play this list. And Anton Blast is kind of moving up that list a little bit. So Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 Good the, job. You did you did the marketing for your friend. I did. You sold another copy. <laughs> I did. Good job. I did. Fantastic. Yeah. They, they have very different intents is, is what I would say. But their communities are merged together and all the devs are all friends. So it's a very nice sort of – it's it's a happy place. It, there's, there's not a uh, – Oh, one above the other and sort of infighting there, which is I nice. think I think Wario Land fans are happy to get uh any recognition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, I think they're happy to have you know, it's like that comic of holy shit, two cakes, you know. Yeah. Uh meanwhile let's punch out fans just have big boy boxing. There's another one. Holy shit. I'm gonna find it. A cake. It came out on Switch today, actually. As you keep talking, I'm gonna find this game. It's been I've been following it for a little while. It's like called Another Lightning thing. Ray. Boxing okay. something. Who else has games to talk about? Because I think I have two more uh, that I want to mention in particular. Tucker, you haven't said words in a bit. No, I've just been I've just been listening to the conversation. I don't have uh, much experience with. I didn't play. Didn't any you like stuff, the so. uh, Prince of Persia demo? Yeah, so that was actually the oh, where yeah. we actually started because uh, we got in hour early because of our media badges, and we wandered around a bit, and then we're like, Prince of Persia and the Lost Crown is here. And no one's at it, so let's go try that, because that's going to be hard to get to later. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we got to sit there and play the demo until uh, our, our time ran out, and it is really interesting to see a modern Metroidvania taking really, really, really direct inspiration from the games that started it all and then reinvented themselves by taking inspiration from other places, which is uh, Mercury Steam's uh, Metroid games, uh, Samus Returns and Dread, which are both great and well-received, and now Ubisoft is taking the Prince of Persia franchise as a reboot and, and taking very clear inspiration from Dread and, and Samus Returns, and it's it's really, really cool. Um, it, I, I think it's a game that didn't demo too well for me because there was no instruction. Uh, you have a lot of moveset, you've got a lot of combat uh, techniques that you're doing, and I didn't quite understand what I was what I was doing or like what the extent of my abilities were. Um, but I think I'm sure the final game eases you better into that and like has introductory areas that are gonna teach you what the fuck you're doing. But being thrown into it outside of my moveset, it is very structurally this is taking inspiration from Hollow Knight and Metroid and Ori and stuff. And but I I think it has a different enough aesthetic and, and tone to where, yeah, I, I fell right into that flow and I'm like, oh okay. I yeah. I need to I need to find the next tree to save my game and upgrade mm. myself, uh, much like the benches are in Hollow Knight or, or something like that, or a save station in Metroid. Um, so yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's got this um, bow combat that actually reminds me a little bit of um, bow is part of the combat, which reminds me a little bit of Ori and the Will of the Wisps, which has really fluid uh, aerial combat. You're like refilling your quiver at these special stations and using those to like activate buttons and platforms uh that are farther away which is pretty cool um and yeah it, it's got some very technical combat certainly more so than uh, something like metroid um 
but it's it's very distinct and it's a big budget uh 2d metroidvania game and it's super super exciting we can't wait to play it more yeah. than i did i that was I, I did that demo on the fourth day and i think by then uh some of the the people running the booth may have clued into some things as i started it and they just said it's going to open with a cutscene. Skip that. It's going to eat they told half us your demo well. time. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. And then I like started going towards one area, and uh, one of the booth ladies came up and tapped my shoulder and said, "You don't want to go that way. That goes to the to to something you can't do yet." And I was like, "Oh, all right. I'll turn around and go another way." Um, but yeah, I I also enjoyed that demo. I think that was the only AAA game I did there. I didn't do any of Square Enix's stuff. I didn't really do any of Sega's stuff. Um, but I just wanted to know, cause I like the first Prince of Persia or I guess not the very first one. I like the, time. the, the Yuri Lowenthal sands of time. Yes. Um, See, I do and too. this, and this did tap into that, but what I really got and something that's so hard and subtle to do with a Metroidvania is I would get into a room and I would just nothing obvious, but I would just be like, there's a secret in here. There's a secret path. There's a secret collectible. Something is here. I don't know what's telling me that there's a secret, but there's a secret here, and I need to find it because now I'm aware of it. Yeah, that's okay. Interesting. Everything you guys are saying, I did not test this game, but I it's high up on my list of like. It, it, there's a lot of stuff coming out, and there's a lot of stuff coming out in January. Like January is going to be the next October, which was the last June. Like it's just insane how stacked all these months are, and that's the thing I'm prioritizing the most because I mean I like we can rope this into the conversation we've kind of had a few times about like games doing a, being a, like a Metroidvania or a Metroid like or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I have really conflicted feelings about almost every Metroidvania I've played. Like I really like hollow Knight. I love hollow Knight. Um, that's like one of the only ones that isn't a Castlevania or a Metroid game that I absolutely adore. And this game is just based off the visuals is giving me that vibe. And also the fact that it's made by the, uh, Rayman legends and origins team, which I love Rayman, dude. I love those games. I love the arts, the art direction that they did on that. It, even though this is a different engine, I see some of that seeping in a little bit in some of those backgrounds and the, 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 the color, uh, design that they're doing. Um, so I'm really excited to hear that like it's shaping up well and that it's taking like inspiration from Metroid Dread. Like, mm-hmm. dude, oh man, so stoked. Looks so it, good. I had a phenomenal time playing the game. I uh, pat myself on the back. I was, a, I was told by that Ubisoft person I was the first person to beat the demo. Not like it's a big deal. Not like it makes me better than There's anybody else. There's a big fucking Manticore boss. It was massive and had these huge fucking attacks. And I kept getting my ass handed me like, do this this health bar is fucking massive there's a parry thing i didn't quite understand <laughs> okay. that that was part of my not fully understanding the combat but crazy crazy fucking boss yeah the boss there's a really great sense of spectacle to the game yeah but i think where to me it succeeded the most is sort of in its quote-unquote quieter moments to sort of just uh our average rooms you're traversing through because what this game has a lot of is flow there's this one section where we're essentially going through this like spike maze and i found Mm -hmm. myself amazed that after less than 10 minutes of gameplay i am i am wall jumping while sliding and air dashing through this game as though i've been playing it for 10 hours instead of 10 minutes i think that they they have everything 
tuned so nicely that it that the game is forgiving enough in its level design but also technical enough in its movement that you feel very empowered as you're as you're moving around and i think that that's one of the big lessons they've taken from mercury steam and the other is the parry that sort of carries you forward there's a there's a great sense as i as i said of momentum and flow and obviously it's a game heavily predicated on exploration but i found myself just getting kind of lost in the rhythm of doing and Mm. through that i found myself progressing across the areas which which are very geographically diverse but also quite continuous in, in how they sort of merge and ebb and flow in and out of each other so i really think that they've clearly spent a lot of time thinking about what it means to feel good when you're playing a game like this and then built an experience around that and really polished the shit out of it i mean this is absolutely one of my most anticipated games the next year that's exciting i mean rayman origins and legends felt uh, great to play yeah. and they they like some of those levels had a great sense of momentum as well and just hearing dude i'm so stoked i'm glad you guys yeah. enjoyed it i'm glad you guys got to play it that's really exciting yeah uh you, you mentioned to the dev telling you that you did uh, good at the demo one demo i did good with that started a dialogue with the dev was i played uh captain wayne's uh uh vacation yes uh, this was in the indie mega yes, i'm disappointed uh, i missed this Captain, I know. This, I gotta fucking look this up. Captain this game looks great. Vacation. Yeah. Um, vacation Desperation? Vacation Desperation, that's it. Okay. I didn't have the full title written down. I just wrote Captain Wayne and underlined it three times. Um, this is so. This is a sort of boomer shooter, a movement shooter, whatever you want to call it, build engine, doom-like, whatever. Uh, the thing is that the important thing is that this game is colorful and it has such a different vibe and aesthetic than a lot of these boomer shooters we've been getting. A lot of these... Um, movement shooters have been really based on like you know doom and wolfenstein you're shooting demons you're shooting robots you're shooting robot demons this is you're shooting cartoon characters you're shooting like cartoon pirates and you have a shotgun for an arm the starting weapon is a shotgun and you also have um sort of a a deeper than you'd expect melee combat system where you have like sort of charge up punches and dash moves and it's all really close combat which is kind of surprising for a game like this um where you know you kind of want to be like circle strafing around in most of these games and sort of peppering fire and looking for like health pickups this is the dev wants you to get right in the enemy's face like the second weapon you picked up was a uh, a machine gun, but that's really inaccurate at range. So again, you got to be close up. Um, and it was just high octane movement, and I just kind of was like zipping around the map and uh, beating the shit out of everyone I came across. And the dev was like, "You're doing better at this than most people have." And I was like, "Oh, it, I downloaded Dusk on my uh, Steam Deck, and I've been playing that in the hotel room." <laughs> He's like, oh, how to do it. And then we started talking about uh, different sort of build engine games. And, uh, hey, they may be on the show later this month. Oh, nice. Or later this year. That's very Ooh. exciting. Um, sorry, I missed the name of this. What was it called again? Captain Wayne's Vacation Desperation. Captain Wayne's Vacation. Okay. It's important to note the shotgun arm because, Marf, you're right. It's excellent. But the most excellent part about it is to reload. You, like... It's almost as though your whole arm is the shotgun and you like break your yeah. arm in half and then shove shotgun shells like up into your hand. And the animation mm. of this game is just exceptional. I'm very excited for this one. Oh, so it's yeah. It's first person Anton Blast is what I'm seeing. That's is what this looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure, if that's if that's what gets you out did of bed you, in the morning, sure. <laughs> did you play um 
fashion police squad because that's the first thing that this like kind of colorful cartoony uh no i can't say i've heard of that okay it's another movement shooter but instead of shooting people to kill them you're shooting like fashion rays at them to like upgrade their fashion (laughs) Um, wow yeah wow um and that's what this immediately it reminds me of that like and it's huh. kind of like yeah quirky I, I do see i do see the comparison this is more like a this has got more of like a no, definitely yeah uh <laughs> like a ren and stimpy vibe to it where the other thing is kind of like more i don't know it's it's more wholesome i guess and it's sure and it's, it's humor and cartooniness cartoon bitch slap move jesus christ yeah <laughs> yeah um so there's that but yeah i i was just curious if you'd played that because those that's something that like first person shooters that are not that are like doom but they're not just being doom i mean i'll play them if i i i love doom i love yeah. quake all, all that stuff but like doing something different like this um and a bro brings up um what is it uh cruelty squad a lot you know these weird movement shooters boomer shooters that do something different so that's cool yeah, that's I- great but yeah, I I would actually say that was probably like my second game of the show. Hmm. Uh, that was really fun, and I really like talking to the devs. And that's just kind of the fun thing about packs in general is like a lot of the times the dev is right there. If you get them on a slow period, you can talk with them, and it's just like you learn a lot. Uh, everyone should, if you ever go to PAX, go to the indie or the it's, it's called what PAX Rising. I love going mm-hmm. to the PAX Rising area. Two games I just shut out really quickly from there. Uh. It's called Spirit Swap Lo-Fi Beats to Match 3-2, which is very clever. It's, it's, it is ostensibly a lo-fi puzzle game. Um, I'm not just saying that... That you match three? Yes. I, I think it looks really great. It sounds really great. I'm not just saying that it's cool because the dev knew Lost in Cult and like, hey, I love your work. I was like, no, I love your work. Stop talking about me. I want to talk about you because your game is sick. So I want you to go <laughs> check that out. The other one is a game called The Tower, it's got a lot of sort of returnal type energy about it. Now, that's very clear. It's a very small team with a game early in development. Look, but the, you said returnal and yeah. then the word tower. And like every game I love yeah. has the word tower yeah, in it. Tower. I, 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 <laughs> this is true. The, the, it's, it's, it's a very small team. I believe they're from France. Uh, and I'm really liking how the game is beginning to shape up. Um, so... It was just another one of those instances where I'm just, you know, walking through Pax Rising and just going up to the the devs who have cool things there because those are the ones where there's no lines. It the, the the teams are right there and happy to talk to you. I think that people always overlook that section. You should always go to Pax Rising. Can you? So yeah. the name, I, the SEO is not great on this. No, it's, it's just not. Tower. It's just called Tower. It's called the Tower. Uh, I the believe tower. that there was an. I believe this is one of the myriad emails we got. I'll see if, if I can I, find it for you. If also. I look up Tower Game, I'm just getting lots of Jenga. <laughs> uh, yeah, games. the Tower Game trailer, uh, Towers of Agazba, Towers Prototype trailer. Because yeah, they, they I, need to change their cool. name. They need to change their name. Tower 57, Tangle Tower, Tower. My my assumption is that it, it's Pizza ta- Tower. Towerborn. <laughs> My, my assumption is that it's a it's a work in progress title just based on oh, sort like of a, like a working title kind of thing based on how early yeah, like an on octopath traveler kind it, yeah like of. yeah like they would travel a various day life <laughs> triangle Mass strategy will return untitled Pe- peach will start an untitled nintendo <laughs> switch game upcoming <laughs> it's from yummy games yummy games okay <laughs> did you find it the tower yummy games 
I, it looks like it's called Project Tower, unless there were two tower games ah. in the PAX Rising. Okay. It's PAX Rising because the towers. Oh, man. You know what else this is giving me vibes of? Marathon, which I know this is like, I'm like just talking to myself now. But like the, yeah. the, the dude's like outfit kind of yeah. reminds me of the original sure. Marathon. I can see that. Wow. Okay. I'm going to, this looks, this looks really cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm oh, glad I can you, see the eternal. Yeah. I'm glad you, you brought this up. Cool. All right. Uh, all right. I have one more. I want, and I don't know if it's the one to end on, but I just got to bring it up because I can't stop thinking about this stupid, horrible looking game. Did any of you play the demo for Evil Lightest Duality? No. I have no idea. <laughs> I look okay. this one up too. <laughs> I played this at PAX last year, and I played it again this year because I was like, oh my god, it's back. This game. I don't know what genre you could call it. It's a it's a cyberpunk noir. It has aggressively rotoscoped animation. Okay. And you don't know it's sort of like a it's sort of like the movie Heavy Metal or like a Ralph Bashke thing. Okay. But it's like also super clean. Like the line work is super clean. It's not sketchy. And it's just like a lot of focus on the protagonist's teeth. And it's all <laughs> too fast and there's too many quick cuts. But goddamn, it's it wants to be so many things. Give me the name one more so, time. Evolitis Duality. Uh, it looks like Evolutus. Evolutus. I... What? Sure. Oh, I found it. Uh, like like yeah. evil like E V O L U T I S. I'll here. Hold on. I'll copy yes, the name. Duality. And I'll post. What the in fuck chat. is the gameplay? So okay, walking around. Best I can tell, you. Like that, you walk around and explore this very horny cyberpunk world, and then sometimes you do a mini game, and that mini game can be you're doing a side scrolling beating up, or you're doing like a. They watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine so many times. I did see this on the show. I didn't play it. I saw the booth though. I I I recall seeing this game. Yes. Okay. So, so the demo I played last year was it opens with the protagonist in a bar and you get to like pick what soda she's drinking and then she gets sexually assaulted and a knife goes through her hand and you have to do QTEs to jam the knife in your hand in a guy's eye and then drag it up and down to carve up his face. Did you talk about this on an episode before? I wrote about it before. Okay. Okay. Um, but... And, like, that's the first, like, I'm going to say minute of this demo. And I was sitting there playing it, and then people would come up, see that, turn away. <laughs> and then it turns out that's a dream sequence. The protagonist wakes up in her hotel, and you just walk around her hotel doing things. And it's stuff like, make a salad. And you, you make a salad, and you have to move the analog stick to move her fork up to her mouth so she eats. And then tap the A button so she chews. Oh my god, it's 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 a r- heavy it's, rain. It's a heavy rain. Oh my sort god! Of, but then there's like go train, and you go in, and it's like Tekken all of a sudden. Oh my god, that's bizarre. Also, her outfit—it seems to be yes, like she's wearing some sort of weird. Like she's basically wearing Borat's weird like one piece singlet <laughs> swimsuit under all of her clothes and they're going way out of your way to realize that oh she's got like her thong goes all the way up to her shoulders. Like I don't yeah. <sighs> wow. So I don't think this game will be good, but 
I I just had to play this demo again, and it was a different demo that's still bad, but it's bad in a new and interesting way. And games that can continually surprise you like that are rare and special. And, bro, I'm saying right now, we're doing a playthrough on the channel. Oh, hell yeah. That's non-negotiable. Oh, hell yeah. This this looks sick in every sense of sick. (laughs) I, I... this so this comes from PM Studios, which I didn't know. I think the PM Studios guys are up to some really cool shit. They're publishing a lot of very peculiar games, which is why I like them. They're like they're like an eclectic games magnet. So this one got past me, but I definitely need to check this out. Yeah, very interesting. If I can slip okay. one more in here, because it's also PM Studios. The game is called. You can always slip one in, April. Oh, I Jesus Christ! Careful, be careful what you tell me. And there's this game called. Careful what you wish. For. There's this game called Exophobia that is also being put out by PM Studios. Now, this Brendan is something I think you should take take a watchful eye. I knew of. immediately when yeah. you said the name. I was like, "That's a that's a Brendan game." So, <laughs> essentially, so I played this one at PAX East. But oh no, I played this game. Yes, yes, this game rules. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like classic Doom with a GBA color palette in space. Oh. Kind of reminds me of Xeno. It's Zeno Drifter. But you know Zeno what? Drifter, do you yeah. know what else yeah. it is, guys? It's also Metroid Prime. It's a Metroidvania. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, I got it? that vibe from the demo. It's, you get like different... Doom Metroidvania is very interesting. Yeah, dude. It's this, that game is cool. Uh, it's yeah. kind of. It, it, it takes a minute to like get used to the weird, very stark color palette. I'm totally. I'm sorry. I'm t- taking your, your time. No, sorry, go for sorry. it. No, you're doing um, a great job. I, go for I've it. I've played. I've played almost every Steam Fest demo, Next Fest demo of of this game as they put it out. Yeah. Um. It it's been on my radar for a long time. It's got. It, um. Yeah. It, it definitely has that that Doom feel to the speed and and some of the shooting, but um the way that it you you were interacting with the world is way more like a metroid right like you're finding power-ups you're finding like a grapple hook to get across things a better jump um better guns that not only hurt you know enemies better but like they blow up extra things like there's um and plus it's got like so it's got like that 8-bit aesthetic to the textures and everything so it also has um like a Mega Man Legends vibe, sort of. You know how Mega Man Legends has like up, like pixel artish textures to everything. Everything's very you know yeah, pixel over perfect the 3D and clean. Models, exactly. Yeah. It's very much like that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of Brendan stuff happening in this game. Um, uh, now I would add, it's not out. It's it's not out yet. Um, it seems like it released in 2021. From what I'm seeing. so it it has a demo. It has a demo, and they. Um, They've had. They might even have like a, a Kickstarter thing where they like they they're putting out like early. Okay, access. the information on this game is completely fucked because I'm seeing like four different release dates here. I saw one thing that said it came out on PS5 in 2021. The Steam page says 2023. Then a different thing says 2024. No, it's this is fucking it's crazy. not out yet. Um, in fact, it was supposed to come out this year. They figured this out. it was supposed to come out this year. There's a, but I don't think it is. There's only you know we're in the last yeah, quarter, yeah. third of the year, or whatever. Um, no, so right. I hope it does because I've been waiting to play the final build of this game for a long time. Um, I'd like to see more areas because you know there's like only two are in the demo really, but um, yeah, it's cool. And you're if you like if you like 
movement shooters, boomer shooters. If you like Metroid Prime, if you like System Shock, that there's something here for you for sure. The the other vertical of the the, the gameplay, which is what I primarily demoed, is like an endless just mode, just survive. Oh, interesting. Uh, which is where that. yeah which is where the obviously the, the doom is foregrounded because there's no exploration it's just uh it, explore the idea of not getting shot and and to me that's that's great <laughs> too from talking with the dev he's just like he's just fine-tuning shit he's just really mm-hmm. in it to make it as as great as it can possibly be so we'll, we'll see when it releases but whenever it does i'm going to be i'm going to be waiting I'm going to be waiting very, also, very carefully. Abram, just, just to clarify, you should go play the original Doom. There's a lot of exploration in that game. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You're not. not you're not going to like to hear. You're not going to like to hear this, Brendan. But I always try playing the original Doom, and then they're like, "Go find a key card." I'm like, I would just really like to be shooting something right now. You got to find the key card, and you find a bunch of new shit to shoot. I know. I know. Yeah, so you got to wander around the fucking repetitive hallways for twenty minutes. With They're not Maybe, that have repetitive. Have you played Dusk? I haven't played Dusk. Here's the thing: the one I need to play is I need to just play Marathon because since it's Bungie, I just feel like I'm predisposed to loving it. So. Um, that's an extraction shooter, my friend. <laughs> no, you're not getting a single player marathon. campaign. Are you, about, are you talking about the original I'm, Marathon? I'm t- yes. Because I, I played a little bit of Marathon Durandal because that was uh-huh. on Xbox. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. the second one. Yeah, because it's the only Don't. one on Xbox series. It's like whatever. I don't think you should play. I don't think you should play the marathon games. If you don't like, if you don't like Doom, you really won't like Marathon. I what I should play um, is I should play Dark Forces because I like Dark Forces a lot. Dark Forces, okay, yeah, and and maybe Dark Forces too. That's getting a remake. Yeah. So yeah, we'll play that. No, you. What you should play. I know what you should play. Okay, you should play um, Exhumed Power Slave. That's what you should play. I've actually because, wanted to play that game. Yes. Because that's a that's what exophobia is the most like it's a because that game is a metroidvania doom like um and it, it was like that back on the saturn and ps1 and pc so um that's the 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 remake that night dive did. Night, yeah like, that's, that's switch now right yep night, yeah yep. Mm. power slave exhumed much to con- much to consider can, yes, we, power can, we, slave sh- yes. can we just shout yeah. out night dive can we just say that shout out to night dive that's all i want to say night dive's great love them love night dive I okay. I have one last one I want to bring up. It doesn't need any. It doesn't need any shoutouts because a bunch of people know the its audience knows it exists. But I just want to say I enjoyed it, and I want to bring it up because I want to get someone else's opinion on how they felt about it too. Because I went back to play this game uh, again and and talked a little bit uh, to the guys who were running the Warhammer 40k Rogue Trader oh, yeah. booth. Um, oh, yeah. And I, if I'm remembering correctly. This was Mr. Tucker's first experience playing a computer RPG, a CRPG. Except for except for Fallout One. Okay, so but but a modern one. How about that? <laughs> Can I ask a clarifying yes. question? Yeah. What makes a CRPG a CRPG? Because I don't know. Like, like, like a top-down isometric view. You're pointing and clicking. You're like. You don't directly control your character. Do you want? Do you want? Do you want the people. full historical answer, or do you just want to like? Because Tucker, in terms of like the the, it is an like, RPG best played on the computer. I basically, I so, want a practical. I want a practical. I want like a usable definition. Okay, so in the 1980s, all the fucking okay. all the fucking RPGs that were coming out were on the PC, right? Yeah. So stuff like Wizardry, Ultima, um, Rogue. These are games that were really complex. 
CR, like console RPGs, which we all now call JRPGs because that's just how they've been called. They're way more streamlined and controller centric. And the way that they've diverted is so, um, you know, CRPGs tend to be like Skyrim and Baldur's Gate and these really open-ended type of things, right? Um, and CRPG has now been like really toned. Its its definition is really narrowed to just be like, it's stuff like Baldur's Gate. So, sure. like, or or the original Fallout, like Disco Elysium, not is that a, a CRPG? Not a yep. working, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, definition okay. there. But you know, no, that I have enough examples to to see. I understand. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Rogue Trader. Uh, yeah, I I honestly I don't have too much to say about this because it is so different from what I know video games to be. I I have so little experience in both Warhammer and CRPGs that. It, it almost didn't make sense to me. Uh, I, I, I actually didn't figure out the combat. I got into one combat sequence, and then my, like, buddies killed it for me, killed the enemies before me before I could, like, figure out what the fuck was going on. I feel like... Like, how to use my fucking abilities. I feel like <laughs> as we were kind of, like, chatting about it, as I mentioned, it was a little bit more like XCOM. I, I, at least in your eyes, in your expression, there was more of a, like, a, oh, okay, this is... A tactical thing yeah. like i'm not yeah but uh for, for the mo- majority of my playtime, it was just learning about the world of warhammer uh through incredibly fucking long text boxes yeah. and just like talking to little characters that were i don't know they were leaders of a fucking organization that had been around for a billion years and had had slaves and they're fucking fighting another guy across the galaxy and holy shit i can't were their shoulder pads I probably so this is a lot, maybe this some is, metals attached to people. I don't fucking this know. is the um, you're part of the um, it's not the space marines. You're the um, God no. rogue traders. God forbid. Basically, and like it's basically the uh, the iron guard, uh, but like you're more regal uh, part of the imperium. Murph, are you a warhammer guy? No. Who the fuck are you explaining to this to, Brendan? None of us have any idea what you're talking about. Well, he's explaining to the listener, yeah. our fifth member. I, like, and, and just, you know, just clarifying, I don't know. I mean, some Murph may have played a Warhammer game before. Do you know how many of these fucking things there are? There's like 10 that came out this year. Yeah, so, sure. it's possible. It's possible. I and played everyone, Warcraft. Everyone knows what... Yeah, okay. Everyone knows what a space marine is. Like, a Warhammer space marine, that's like... It's like one of the more iconic, like, pop culture gaming characters. Like, you say, oh yeah, Warhammer space marine. People are like, oh yeah, the big blue guys. Yeah, oh, I know what they look like. Brother, I need to scratch my testicles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, technically they wouldn't, but whatever. Um, yeah, so... so that was probably a mess, and I I enjoyed afterward when we got to chat a little bit, and I got to tell you about um, some of the some of the the um, the particulars of the world, namely the uh, the genesis of the uh, eternal emperor of man. Um, Anyway, I just wanted to bring it up because I and that was the highlight of the PAX experience. I think that was actually the first game that Tucker and I sat down and demoed that day. We yes. we we left Abram to do his business shenanigans uh, and to slowly take over the video game industry. Um, Shake baby, shoot foam. Yeah. Yes. Um, My motto. And then uh, and we played that. So just from for for anyone who's listening and is interested, I like this game. Um, I was very so I did not play 
these are based off of the Pathfinder CRPGs, um, Kingmaker, and I forget the name of the other one. Um, and those games are so they have like three different modes where they got like you got the Baldur's Gate thing, you got the town like management thing, and then you've got like uh like like a, I think some of them have like ship combat. Like like ship to ship sea combat. I could be wrong about that because this game has those three modes as well. Where like you're managing your little group, you're doing the CRPG like Baldur's Gate stuff, but then you also have like tactical ship combat. Um, and so the demo was just the CRPG stuff, which is probably the stuff that I'm most interested in. Um, this did kind of sell me on it though because like I like Warhammer. As much as it sounds like I'm like a total Warhammer sicko, I'm really not. I've just played a few of the games. I know a lot about the universe because of Wikipedia and like two books I've read. Uh, so I guess I am a Warhammer guy. But the uh, the it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much, man. No. Um, the thing I, I I was really skeptical. Like, would I want to play a Warhammer game that's a CRPG? Like, could this world sustain like? world building and that sort of thing that you would want in a crpg because like when you're just like clicking on mer like space marines to go chop up an orc or like you know painting your little chaos dude because he looks cool like there's there's not really like like the books and all that stuff it's just kind of goofy like people like you can take it seriously but it's just goofy man and it's it's it that's how it started it was a s satire it was supposed to be like like you know satire of far future fascist you know military states right and this didn't have necessarily that that satire that i think a lot of modern warhammer stuff's kind of lost it anyway the point is the writing was pretty okay and the conceit of the storyline you're like vying for like the heir to this rogue traitor ship um i don't really remember it because like Tucker was saying there's a lot of text boxes and we were just kind of like, I was just kind of trying to mash through them and also glean as much as I could. But um, I, the whole point is I think there's actually a pretty solid game here. I was surprised. I just thought it would be kind of like another six out of 10 Warhammer game, another kind of like, Oh, we made um, a CRPG in a world like post Baldur's gate. where like, who the fuck cares if your game's not Baldur's Gate 3? Like, it's not going to live up to it. But I think there's something here. So um, if anyone's curious about it and you're a Warhammer fan, you'll probably like this. Or if you just like CRPGs, you're like, I need another one. Um, yeah, I would go for it. If you don't care about Warhammer, I don't think there's going to be much here for you. But you can also jump in if you're just like, this sounds cool. Because, like, you don't have to know who the Adeptus Astaris is. You don't have to know what Nurgle... The, with the difference between Nurgle and Corn is you don't have to know the difference between Zines and Slanish. Um, I want to. <laughs> don't. That's my lifeline. Because I will. Oh, I'll, I could have you. You will have it all memorized by the end of tonight, my friend. <laughs> Are you gonna Warhammer pill us? I mean, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> all right. Tucker, do you have a one more thing? I don't think I've got the energy for a one more thing, I'm going to be honest. Okay. <laughs> then the next bit of the of the itinerary is guests plug themselves live on air. So, uh, so Brendan, where can we see you talk about Warhammer and games with towers in them? 
Um, I've literally done that actually on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the crawl. Um, and also sometimes on Twitter, Twitter at Brendan underscore LH. And sometimes on blue sky, which is at Brendan LH. Um, and yeah, I, I do videos about, uh, dungeon crawlers and old obscure video games. And I tweet about how excited I am that digital clips might be making a wizardry, uh, documentary you know if that sounds cool seek me out if not i understand <laughs> i got weird taste okay abram where can we see you shake babies and shoot foam <laughs> well you can well that's behind closed doors frankly just go Mark. outside <laughs> uh, I, I will leave the joint plug t- to tucker if you want to come find me personally just go to lost and and pick up some cool books because where you'll find me is in the realm of print media come support it okay and tucker where can we see you have not one more last thing (laughs) uh here apparently (laughs) but uh if you want to see other things other than the not one more last thing we everyone i have a youtube channel where we are trying to foster Deep discussion about game design and history called Backlog Banter. Um, not the Backlog Banter as much as Murph wants it to be. Um, we are one of many Backlog Banters. Uh, but if you want to hear us talk about uh, just fucking I don't know, video games, and we, we, we combine our thoughts with the thoughts of our community, which I really love, and we hope that you enjoy... Uh, thinking about games in a deeper way because of our conversation you can also find it's a little bit trickier to find because on our old channel but about a two minute super cut at like four times the speed of tucker and i playing warrior wear smooth moves together <laughs> that is a thing uh it's yeah. set to like ragtime music <laughs> so check that out okay are you gonna make a remaster when the uh, new warrior land shake it oh, comes absolutely. out or what oh, is absolutely. it Move, move it. it. Move it. Oh yeah, we're gonna record all sorts of. Uh, I would describe them as un as unwatchable videos when that comes out and we're in person together. Okay. All right, all right. And for those of you listening, I am Murph. Um, you you should already be subscribed to this podcast. That's how you found it. Sick bastards. Uh, go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We just started a playthrough. Uh, I think some of those will be up by the time we do this. Uh, we just started a playthrough of some of the Dread X collection. Uh, games because bro and i really like talking about sort of game jammy type games and things and brendan why are you laughing what's amusing about that i'm not it's his tucker sent me the video in the fucking the, the <laughs> thumbnail for it's very funny oh, of the, <laughs> that is a good thumbnail weren't you just talking at the start about how how your thumbnails pop and generate interest <laughs> um but if you want to hear me uh, scribble more about games at PAX, uh, do go check out the article I wrote on the Twin Geeks. It is straight up called PAX West 2023, Some Cool Games I Saw, where I talk about uh, like 13 total games uh, that I liked at PAX. And I uh, even plug like demos and stuff. So go check that out. Otherwise, uh, it's time for us. It's time for saying goodbyes. Uh, we'll, we'll go in order. Abram, say goodbye. Goodbye. Brendan. Goodbye. Tucker. Goodbye. And now Murph.